If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Numbers chapter 13, or grab this Bible in front of you, turn to page 121, so we're near the front of this, and I want to share some things with you today, hopefully that would encourage you and strengthen you for this coming week. Numbers chapter 13, page 121, and what we have been doing this summer with this idea of summer solstice is that we have been spending time looking at our inner person, looking at our soul. We're going to continue this again today because our soul is in need of healing. I imagine you woke up this morning or went to bed last night and you said, oh, my body aches, I'm getting old. Uh, I was telling my wife about this and she says, I don't feel sorry for you. It's because you play softball like you're still 20-something, you're not. And so I know that our physical bodies need healing, but what's harder to see and what's harder to understand is our inner person, our soul, and how that needs healing as well. And so we've been looking at this idea this summer, understanding that this healing, it comes from God. Our key passage has been found in Psalm 23. Let's put this on the screen here. And would you, with enthusiasm, say these verses with me? Let's begin. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. David writes this as a shepherd himself, and he says, I know what it's like to take sheep from one place to another and to take care of them. But he says, I understand how God takes me as one of his sheep. He's the good shepherd, and he leads me, and he takes care of me, and he is the one that is putting me back together. He is the one that is restoring my soul. And this is what we're looking at this summer is that God is the one who puts together our inner person. That Sometimes we have a hard time figuring out how are we doing, but we know that we need some healing. Last Sunday, we talked about the idea of how we face pressure, and this is one of the enemies to our soul. We face pressure, and that causes us sometimes to be a little uptight or a little worn down. And what we need is this rest from God. And he, again, is the one who restores our soul with all this pressure. Today, I want us to consider this idea that one of the enemies of our soul is fear. Would you write this down? Let's consider this today. That one of the enemies to our soul is fear. And what God wants to do is he wants us not to be people of fear, but people of faith and trust in him. And he wants to bring healing to your soul in those places where you are fearful. So you can start thinking, if you would today, where are those places in my life where I am fearful? And know that God wants to bring healing to that place. Because of our fear, what happens is my soul can become paralyzed. My soul can become paralyzed and lack faith and miss out on the goodness that God has in store for me. This is what God wants. He says, I have goodness in store for you. I'm going to share with you a story in a, little in a minute that shows you this. God has goodness in store for you. One of our problems is that fear paralyzes us so that we miss out on God's goodness. I want to show you that today and show you how fear can bring hurt to our soul, while God, on the other hand, says, let me restore that. Let me bring healing. Let me cause you to be a person who does not fear but has faith in me. 
So let's look in our Bibles, Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, just to let you know where we are in this story. The Israelites had been rescued from slavery. This is in the book of Exodus. They had exited slavery. They had been there for 400 years. It's a million plus people. They are being oppressed. God says through this leader of Moses, we are going to get out of slavery. They get out, and he says, I've got a land for you, but for now we're going to wander in this wilderness for a bit before we enter our new home. And so God was preparing these people for their new home. When we kept this in Numbers chapter 13, follow along as I read some of this. Verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. Go ahead and if you're an underliner, underline that phrase, which I am giving to the people of Israel. This is a promise from God. He's given it to Moses to share with the people. I've got a good land promised for them. And then God says, from each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. And then we see a list of 12 men from the 12 tribes of Israel. Go down to verse 17 if you would. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up into the Negeb and go up into the hill country and see what the land is, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not. Be of good courage and bring back some of the fruit of the land. Then it says, now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. Moses says, I want you guys to go check this out. Hey, I've heard from God that it's going to be ours, but I want you to check it out and just give a report after you have done this. With this in mind that God has said, I'm giving you this land. Verse 25, skip down to verse 25, please. At the end of 40 days of spying, they returned from the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Verse 28 However, the people who dwell there in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the defendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negeb. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the Jordan. In other words, man, the land was great. We looked at it for 40 days. Here's some of the fruit. Fantastic. But... Here are all the problems we have with it, and it's, it's inhabited by monsters, in other words. Now, God has said, I'm going to give you the land, but there's some fear creeping in as they see this. It's like, <laughs> ah, we hear the promise of God, but what our eyes tell us is, ooh, this ain't going to work for us. Go down to verse 30, if you would. But Caleb, he's one of the 12 spies, He quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it. Sounds like a courageous man here. For we are well able to overcome it. 
Then the men who had gone up with him said, We're not able to go up against the people. They're stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are great of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. Now again, God has says, I'm going to give you this land. But they're saying, we see all the problems. We, we see these big monster men and they're going to destroy us. Fear started causing paralysis for these leaders. Caleb and another leader named Joshua, they say, oh, no, we should take this. But the majority, the ten, they say, no, 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 we can't go here. Started to think about their fear. What was their fear? Fear of failure? I mean, that's no fun to step into something. It's like our softball teams. We ended up choosing the competitive league. We're not that competitive. We go into Monday nights, and it's the fear of failure. We're going to lose almost every single game. That's no fun. There's some fear with that, but I, I think they also had the fear of death. That's no fun either, right? I mean, we don't want to go, and they're monsters. They're going to beat us up. They'll kill us. And the conversation started happening that we should just go back to Egypt. Let's just go back there. We were accepted there. We had food there. Uh, they liked us there because well, well, yeah, we were slaves there, but we could always go back there, I imagine. Now, God had said, I'm giving you this land, but there was fear that was causing paralysis. They're going to miss out on God's blessing for this land. Joshua and Caleb, two men of faith, not men of fear, they start saying some things in chapter 14. Go to chapter 14, if you would. Verse 8 says this, if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Catch this. And do not fear, is what Joshua and Caleb say. Do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them. And the Lord is with us, as we sang this morning. So do not fear. This is the message of two of the spies said, do not fear. Verse 10, see how that went over. Then all the congregation said to stone Joshua and Caleb with stones. They're like, I appreciate your enthusiasm, you two, but we're going to go with the majority on this one that says we're going to die, so we'd rather take you out. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of the meeting to all the people of Israel. Verse 11, and the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have done among them? I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. It's like, listen, these people are going to choose fear over trusting me, faith. In essence, that's disobedience. I'm not going to put up with them. I'm not going to allow them to inherit the land unless they have faith in me. Fear, it was paralyzing these people. And they were going to miss out on God's blessing of this new home because of their fear. You see, God was 
not going to allow the fearful people to enter, but the ones who had faith. I started thinking about us then as I was reading this. I'm like, how many times do we, when having this choice, uh, being fearful or trusting God, having faith in God, do we say, ah, fear? It's just what I see. It's in front of me. Instead of believing by faith that God is with me, that God is for me, that he has promised me good. God graciously took those who had faith and gave them the land. But many had fear. And as I thought of this, I thought fear can paralyze you and me, can't it? We lack faith at times. Imagine we miss out on the goodness of God more often than we know. I started thinking about this and thought, what kinds of fears do you and I have? Where do you and I lack faith? You say, what I see in front of me causes me to fear. I can't see beyond that. I cannot look up and see that God is bigger than this. Write down some of your fears, if you would. Imagine some of you say, I don't think this marriage is going to work out. And there's fear in there. Instead of having faith that, you know what, God can heal this. Or for some of you, it's like, I don't know if I'll ever get a job. I don't know if I'll ever get out of this job. I don't know if things are going to get better for me. And it causes you to fear because then that's related to money and will God provide for me? You struggle with fear instead of having faith in God's goodness. There might be things about your health. You say, this is what the doctor told me, and it causes me to fear instead of having faith that God is actually in control and he has a plan. It might be about your family, about your spouse or your parents or your children or your grandchildren, and you fear. It's just right there. It's knocking at the door. But I'm telling you that God is knocking there also saying, I have goodness in store. Will you trust me instead of being fearful? Some of you might say, you know what, I'd like to get involved in a certain ministry, but I just don't want to step out. Which is why when I hear Sarah's story and God puts something on her heart, she's just like, uh, I'm just going to step out and trust God. He put it on my heart. He'll provide. I wonder how many times we say things like, mm, God has put it on my heart, but I'm just afraid what someone might think. I'm not sure if it will work out. I don't want to strike out. Fear is always knocking at the door. But so is God in his goodness. Almost every situation we face is an opportunity to fear, be afraid, or to trust in God and have faith. So I was thinking about this. I started thinking about my fears. I thought, oh, okay, what are my fears? I have some fears. Fear of failure. Fear of failure. I was talking to my brother the other night, and I said, at the softball game, there's a reason I don't hit the ball that hard. Because instead of potentially having a great hit, I just want a safe hit. There's this fear of failure. I don't want to fail. And I realize that actually there are many places in my life there is a fear of failure. I don't want to step out and trust God at times. Because of that, I'm actually insecure a lot. Because of that, I hide a lot. Because of that, I would rather control things so that I know what's going on, so I don't have to be fearful as opposed to trusting God with it. I get angry at times. Why? Because it's my fear acting out. I get paralyzed at times. 
because of this fear. I was thinking, okay, if I could name some of my fears, going too fast, not being in control, pain and death. All right? Anybody have those? I mean, going too fast, not being in control, pain and death. Those fears can make a place like Disneyland a major problem. All right? (laughs) Going too fast on some of these rides, not being in control, and this fear of pain and death. I remember going to Disneyland a few years back, and I was just with my son. We were the only ones that went as part of our family. And we went, and he said, Dad, I want to go on this one ride called Splash Mountain. I'm like, I don't know. Everybody says it's a cute ride because you're just in this little boat thing, and you're going through, and you hear this Disney music and all of that. But the problem is, at the end of this ride, you plummet to your death nearly, right? for 1.2 seconds or something, and it's miserable. Everybody's like, this is the best part. I'm holding on for dear life. (laughs) Though there is a lady back there, she might resonate with me. She's a little fearful. I'm like, I might die right here. Man, I was afraid the whole time we were in line for this thing. It was just miserable. And then after that ride, Adam says, "Uh, let's go try Space Mountain. I'm like, okay, I know enough about this one. I told you I don't like going fast. This is a fast ride. I don't like being out of control. This one's in the dark. This one's going to be a near-death experience. He's like, no, 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 no. You'll love it, Dad. He had never done it either. But people love this ride. All right? The girl in front of us, she's just having a good time. She's posing for the picture. Adam's hanging on. He's like, woo, this is fun. Me, the whole time I was praying, and I'm praying out loud. I'm like, Jesus, help me. Jesus, you are my strength. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. I think the girl in front was just having a good time hearing me just panic to Jesus. She may have turned her life over to the Lord after that, too. Just, I mean, I gave her the whole gospel presentation. <laughs> anyway, after that ride, and I, I did survive it. It was, Adam says, let's do it again. I'm like, no. I said, I'm picking the next ride, and we're doing Buzz Lightyear, all right? Buzz Lightyear is nice and slow, and it's in the light, you know, it's just, <laughs> choo, choo, choo. Uh, Anyway, those are some of my fears. But whether it's Disneyland or you have some real fears in your life, and I do and we all do, we can miss out on the goodness of God if we choose fear. Let me show you a few passages. They're in your notes, and I would like you to look at these with me, but I would like you to consider these this next week as well. In the same Psalm 23, David writes this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Now he says this, he says, I've taken sheep before through valleys, and there are some scary valleys, and the sheep have understood, okay, we'll be all right, because the shepherd is with us. He's got us. David says, in the same way, even though I go through scary situations, I'm going to fear no evil because the good shepherd is with me. God himself is with me. He loves me that much that he's caring for me. This is what David knows. He knows that God's presence is with him. Let me show you another psalm. Psalm 46 says this, God is our refuge and strength 
a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. He says, here's what I know, that God is our refuge. This is what I know. He's a very present help for us. And because of that, we don't have to fear. We don't have to fear. I'd like you to write this down with me as I was making some declarations in my own heart, just considering my own fears, that I will choose not to fear, for God is with me. I will choose not to fear, for God is with me. Knowing that this can be one of my defaults to fear, when fear is knocking, I can choose to go there. I will choose not to fear, because I know this, that God is with me. And you need to know this for you as well, that God is with you. In fact, Jesus, one of the names given to Jesus is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And for those of you who have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, this Jesus who lives in you is God with you. And if God is with you, then there is no need to fear. You see, back in the wilderness, in that story in Numbers chapter 13, there's a fear of failure, there's a fear of death, but they forgot this promise that God was with them. They forgot this promise that God is going to provide for them. And we can choose not to fear, knowing this promise that God is with me. When fear is knocking at the door this week, You can say, I I can choose not to fear because here's what I know, that God is with me. He loves me. He is with me. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for he is with me. I want you to see another uh, passage in Psalm 56. I was working on memorizing the last part of this, but I wanted to read these first uh, few verses with you. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for, my, for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, David writes, I put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Yeah, I like this psalm. Here's David, and he faced many situations where people were actually out to kill him. His life was in trouble multiple times. And he says, when I am afraid, because it happens, things scare me. I'm thinking I might die. This might be the end. When I am afraid, here's what I do. I will trust in you, God. As I look at this, he says, I I will trust in you. And what can flesh do to me? I mean, what's the worst? King David understands this. The enemies, they may take my life, but that's not even the end of me, is it? That God is with me and that he will hold me on forever and ever and ever. Amen. I want you to consider this and write this down today. I will choose not to fear, for God gives me perspective. There's some perspective that David shares here. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What can flesh do to me? My dad used to say things like, ah, 100 years from now, you won't even remember this. <laughs> you know? Okay, hasn't even been 100 years, and I forget a lot of those things that I was fearful about. Let's just have some perspective. God has you. He loves you. It's going to pass. It will. 
It will. You see, God has plans for us more than we can see, more than we can touch, more than we can feel. But the problem is you and I see these things and we feel them, we touch them and say, ah, that one's freaking me out. Let's have some perspective for a minute. Let's get above this and say, you know what? God is with me. He is for me. Frankly, what can man do to me? And we can choose not to fear knowing that God gives us this perspective. Well, I told you a while back that I took a personal retreat a couple months ago. And one of the things I did at that retreat, I said, God, I just want you to speak to me. And I want you to help restore my soul just from the pressures of life and busyness. And I want to slow down. And I said, I I want you to say some things to me and reveal some things to me. And, And one of the things he did is he said, Scott, you have lived way too long as a fearful person. You've just let fear win too many times. I started thinking back at my life, and it's like, I did that because of fear, and I did that because of fear, and I did that because of fear. To the point that if I look at that story in Numbers 13, I'm much more like the ten spies who would say, oh, that looks like good land, but (laughs) we can't do this. Too big for us. I've struggled with fear just far too long in my life. It's one of my weaknesses. I'm fearful. I can go there real easily. And I don't know, maybe many of you are like that too, where you just say, man, I've allowed fear to win too much in my life. And the Lord led me to this passage, and I want to finish with this today in Philippians. And it's really what I think is God's antidote for fear, and it has helped me respond to my fears in a more healthy way. Let me show you how it starts in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4. It says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. I looked at that passage and it says, Rejoice in the Lord. Consider his goodness in your life. And I started just making some affirmations. This is how I'm going to live my life. I wrote this down. I'd like you to write it down this morning as well. I said, I will choose not to fear, but instead I will rejoice in him. Oh, there are times I rejoice in God. But when fear is there, mm, rejoicing kind of gets pushed aside. I said, I will choose not to fear, but instead I will rejoice in him. Rejoice in his goodness. Rejoice that he is near. Rejoice that he is with me. That God has loved me. Now, some things happen, and they will, and I start to freak out and go, oh, man, I don't know what to do about this. And if I have ever doubted if God is good to me, if I have ever doubted that God cares for me, all I have to do is look back at the cross and say, oh, wait a second. I have much to rejoice about, and you do as well. When you start to fear, wait a second, God has been good to me. He has loved me so much that he sent his son to pay for my sins so that I don't have to pay for them so that I can have life and purpose and meaning now and for all eternity. Amen? And you can rejoice in that as well. But the problem is I see fear and think, oh, man, what am I going to do? Wait a second. Rejoice. God has been good to me. I think those people back in the the wilderness, Numbers chapter 13, if they would have said, wait a second, can you remember just what God has done for us? Same God, same love for us. He's still with us. 
But instead of having that faith, they went to fear. And I said, I'm going to choose not to fear, but instead I will rejoice in him. That passage goes on to say a few more things. Let me show you this. In verse 6, it says this, Do not be anxious then about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. As I looked at this passage, and it was like, okay, I know this passage, but a few things stood out to me. And I wrote these down, and again, I'd like you to write them down. I will choose not to fear, but instead I will pray to him. Paul, as he's writing this, says, don't be anxious, don't be fearful. Instead, go talk to God about this. That's what he wants you to do. Don't be anxious about this. Talk to him. When fear is an option, don't go there. Don't succumb to that. I'm called to pray. I'm called to talk to God and say, God, help me. God, I want to fear, but I'm going to trust you. Pray. Some of you say, well, I'm not sure how to pray. Just talk to him. You know how to call out to other people when you need help. Just call out to him. I also wrote this down, that I will choose not to fear, but instead I will trust in him. When I start to fear, I think, okay, I've got to fix the problem. I've got to solve this situation. I've got to control it somehow in order to fix it. And I have realized, no, 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 that's not going to be my default. My default has to be that when I can choose fear, instead I will trust in him. And I will expect his peace to flow over me. Many times people, you, will come up to me after church on Sunday or send an email or whatever it is, and you'll say, pray for me. And this is one of the things I pray for you, that you would not worry, that you would instead talk to God, that you would trust in him, that you would then experience his peace because he promises it. Don't worry, talk to me, and this peace, it will come to your hearts and to your minds. I can pray this for you real easily. I struggle praying this for myself sometimes. I would just rather grab onto fear and say, oh, okay, I'll serve you for a while. I said, no, 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 no. I'll choose not to fear, but instead I will trust in God. In fact, I made some goals before I left that personal retreat. I want to share some of them with you. I just wrote these down. I said, goals for this next season for my soul. May 18th, I wrote this. I said, I will remember my identity in Christ and not fear. That was underlined, not fear. Pretty easy for me to do, but I will remember my identity in Christ and not fear. Instead, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will ask God for help. I will not seek to be controlling. I will set good boundaries. That means for me, no people-pleasing. I will forgive quickly and deeply. I will listen before I speak. I will seek to trust God in everything. I will lead courageously. Because the problem is, I would want to fear. And God says, no, that's, that's not the way to live. I want you to have faith. I want you to trust me, not live in fear. I don't want you to miss out on the goodness I have for you. So I've got a couple questions for you as we finish up today, and I'd like you to consider them. One, what am I fearful of this morning? Maybe you walked in here today and said, oh, 
I'm nervous about this. I got to deal with this this week. Just consider that. And maybe it's been stressing you out for a while. It's not meant to. If anything, it's meant to point you to have faith in God. What am I fearful of this morning? And then my question for you is this. Will I choose to trust God over being fearful? Will I choose to trust God over being fearful? The Israelites who did not trust God, they missed out on God's goodness. They missed out on a promised land. And I'm afraid that you and I will miss out on some of God's goodness in our lives because we would just rather choose fear. God says, I've got a better plan for you. Trust me. Choose me. Do not be afraid. I'm with you. I have good plans for you. I would ask that you uh, reflect on this with me for a moment, that you'd bow your heads. If you're a writer, maybe you write out a few thoughts. Maybe you ask God, what is eating at my soul? (laughs) And maybe he's saying, you're afraid of this. You're living in fear of this. And he says, I don't want you to live that way. I want you to trust me. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one that is in the world. If God is for you, who can come against you? You're actually more than a conqueror. So do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Trust me. Trust me. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would help us to hear your words as we have read them, that you would help us to learn from our forefathers who many of them were fearful and missed out on your goodness, that we would learn from a Joshua and a Caleb to be men and women of faith, that we would say, oh, if God is for us, who can be against us? This one who did not even spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also give us so many good things? Heavenly Father, I confess, you know that I have lived way too much of my life in fear. Fear of people, fear of circumstances, fear that you wouldn't provide. And you know that I don't want to live that way. I know that you don't want me to live that way. And I pray for my brothers and sisters that you would help us to trust you. Many in this room have trusted you with their eternal soul, that they have trusted in Jesus. Help them now to trust you with every single circumstance they encounter the rest of their lives. God, for some in this room, they have not trusted you as their Savior. Help them to trust you first and foremost, that you are the one who removes sins. You are the one that saves from all of our messed up life. You are the one that heals the inner person. You are the one that gives life. Help them even today to simply say, Jesus, I trust you and need you. 
God, this week as we encounter things that would cause us to fear, as we live in this broken world with broken bodies and broken relationships, God, would you cause us not to fear, but to have faith that you are for us, that you are with us. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil, for you are with us. And I thank you for your goodness. Help us to trust you in all things for your glory. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.